are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We spoke from a brief statement in the Word of God in this part of the Bible last Sunday night, and I want to go back to the same passage of Scripture again this morning. And we're going to read from this part of the Lord's Word in just a moment. I'm happy to see you here this morning, and I want so much that the Lord will bless your heart while you're here. But now I'll tell you, I'm going to have a good time in the Lord this morning, and I just want to tell you about it, so if, you, if you'd like to join me, well and good. If you want to go to sleep, go to sleep. Do anything except get up and walk out. If you want to get a blessing, well, get your cup out, and let's ask the Lord to fill it. We're going to enjoy ourselves in the Word of God. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. A December is just the same with God as any other time. And thank God for his blessed presence with us this morning. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, I want to begin reading again with verse 12. Now, I'm going to talk to you this morning uh, from this passage of Scripture, and I think God willing again tonight, because there's some tremendous truths placed very concisely and briefly and plainly in this passage of Scripture that I feel that we sorely need in our hearts and lives. Now notice, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, notice verse 12, he said, we beseech you, brethren, about something. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded. I think this is in here for my benefit. When you're dealing with me, please keep this in mind. The Bible says, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. 
I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, when you go back and look at verse 15, 16, and 17 with me, with me this morning, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without peace. There are three things in these three verses that the Lord makes special emphasis to tell us we're to never cease doing them. We're to pray without ceasing. Last Sunday night we spoke to you a little bit from verse 17 and verse 25. Pray without ceasing. Brethren, pray for us. In verse 15, we are to forgive without ceasing. The question is to live with a prayerful attitude in his heart, and the question is constantly to have a forgiving spirit in his heart. Tonight, God willing, I hope to have the time to deal with that particular thing that the Lord says, do without ceasing. Then in verse 16, it says, Rejoice evermore. So here you have three things. God says, Do all the time. There are many exhortations to the believer in the Bible. I'm sure that God wants them to be continually and habitually in the life of a Christian. In this passage, it says, In everything give thanks. That's not to be a temporary spasmodic pain in the life of a Christian. I know that the Lord wants a Christian to have a thankful heart all the time. But for some reason, God knows better than you and I, the Lord has sent here a three things do all the time. Never cease. Never quit. Never eliminate these from your Christian life and your experience with the Lord. Forgive all the time, rejoice all the time, and pray all the time. Now you say, preacher, those are hard and difficult. They are without the help of God. You say it's impossible, not with God. With God, nothing is impossible. I believe that God never said something in His Word that's impossible for a Christian to do. Forgive all the time. Rejoice all the time and pray all the time. I'll deal with them a little bit more tonight, God willing. But you know, a Christian is to live with a forgiving spirit. And don't just think now I'm talking about forgiveness when someone does you wrong and then seeks to make it right and you forgive them. It goes a lot further and a lot deeper than that. The Bible says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. God says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Don't you try to settle everything. You can't do it. You never will. A man said good many years ago, Francis Bacon said, He that studieth revenge 
keepeth his wounds clean. As long as there's a revenge in the heart of a Christian, it means his wounds are still open. They never heal. Always forgive. Always pray. Now I mentioned to you last Sunday night, you can do this. Jesus was not on his knees 24 hours a day. Jesus spent a lot of time praying. Paul was not on his knees 24 hours a day. He sailed the seas and climbed the mountains, took the word of God, stood up and preached. He labored with his hands, making tents. But you can pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. You don't cease to eat. It doesn't mean that you eat every minute, but every day, habitually, constantly, without a break, a person is to eat if he's to be alive and to be strong. You sleep all the time. That doesn't mean you sleep every minute. It means every night you sleep. Some people do sleep some during the day. I've noticed on Sundays here at the church, but you can sleep without ceasing. It means there's something in your life that constantly is there. You never eliminate it. You never leave it off. It is always there. Always forgive. Always pray, but always rejoice. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning, especially, and perhaps tonight finish, and uh, with also for, always forgive, and finish, God willing, what we start tonight. But the Bible says rejoice evermore. Now that's, that'll make you think. Rejoice evermore. People get sick, rejoice evermore. People have problems, rejoice evermore. Great people face difficulties, rejoice evermore. Sometimes we're in the valley, rejoice evermore. God said it. Now you know Job said in Job 38 and verse 7, Job, or God said rather to Job, God said, when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for God. You, if you think about it, this whole universe God has made is a rejoicing universe. The stars sang together. Way back in the beginning, the sons of God, speaking of angels, the sons of God shouted for joy. The bird has his song. He sings, and there's none prettier. The babbling brook gives its rhythmic cue. There is a song in all the universe. The people of God, during the period in the history of the world, when we got what we call the King James Bible, the Elizabethan period, that lasted for over a hundred years, always emphasized this. There's music in God's universe. The stars sing. The tides come rolling in, and they dance to the tune of the moon. In God's universe, there is a cosmic song, and there's music in all of God's creation. Now, it might be true. 
If angels sing, if the songs of God shouted for joy, the stars rejoice together, and the birds sing, and the waters play their tune, why not a redeemed child of God rejoice also? Rejoice evermore, God said. Now, you can look for joy in many, many different ways. But there's only one way to rejoice evermore. And it's set forth in the Bible. If you don't look for joy where God said you find it, you're never going to find it. There was a man that lived about the time Jesus came on the scene. His name was Horus. He was a poet and a writer, and he's written many things that live even today. One day in his writings, something dawned on him that's talk, being talked about right here, and that is rejoice evermore, and he wrote these words. He said, you traverse the world in search of happiness, which is within the reach of every man, a contented mind, he says, confers it upon all. God, I think in his word, is saying, a contented heart confers happiness on all. You don't have joy, your heart's not at rest. If you don't have joy, you don't have a contented mind. So God says rejoice evermore. Now think. You say, well, preacher, hey, some folks you know kind of like little boy in school, Dr. Bob Jones, you can see him, you tell about him squirming around in the seat. He's gone out during recess and caught a bumblebee. Put it in a little tin box and put it in his hip pocket. But the lid came off of the box, and sitting on bumblebees is not the nicest experience in the world. So he's twisting around, and, and the teacher kept saying, Be still back there. Be still back there. Finally, the little boy said, Dr. Bob Jones tells the story. The little boy said, Teacher, you don't know what's going on back here. And you know, I think sometimes the Lord's people are like that when the preacher's up here trying to preach and hold up God's standard. A lot of people, I think, sometimes say, Well, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, for one thing, let me tell you, friend, preachers are not set up here on a pedestal in a class all by themselves. Preachers go through everything you do, maybe a lot more. Now, God said it. God said, rejoice evermore. God said it, and God knows what is going on out there. Rejoice evermore, God said. Now, there's some strange things about joy. I want to put them before you this morning. This rejoicing business, if you understand it, then I think you'll know how you and I can be a happy Christian all the time. Rejoice evermore. Now, you can rejoice in the strangest circumstance. Don't ever think there's a circumstance 
when you should not have joy in your heart. That's not true. Paul wrote in his Philippian letter, chapter 4, verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I think Paul might have thought, well, now they're not going to pay any attention to me if I just say it once. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why would Paul repeat it? I'll tell you why. Paul, when he wrote this, was old. You know, a lot of folks think when you get old, you should get mean. When you get old, you can still rejoice in the Lord. A lot of folks think when you get old, nothing to live for. A lot of folks think when you get old, oh, you about had it, you should go get on the shelf and forget it all. Uh-uh. Paul was old. And he said, rejoice evermore. I believe God can make an old person happy. A.J. Gordon one time in the Bible conference, climbing up the hill, going up to the prayer chapel. And he was talking, you know, to the Lord under his breath and happy in the Lord. Somebody met him along the path and said, Preacher, you seem to be happy in the Lord today. The old man labored on, climbing the hill toward the, the prayer chapel and said, the devil has no happy people and just kept going. But God does. When Paul said rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, he was an old man. Now listen, he was poor. He didn't have anything. He was one of those who was poor yet made many rich. You say, well, preacher, you didn't have a job. and you, Well, a lot of folks don't have a job because they don't want a job. They want a position. What they want is a salary check without work. That's going to be hard to find. That's as hard to find as a deal when a fellow says, I want to buy this, but I don't want to pay anything down and no monthly payment. That's just about impossible. But Paul was poor. Why well, he had a coat somewhere and some parchment, and he was in prison, and he sent for those to be brought to him. And in his poverty, he said, Rejoice evermore. Again, I say rejoice. Not only that, he was deserted. He didn't have a bunch of folks standing around behind him, patting him on the back and saying, Out of the way, Paul, go get them. Ah, God bless you, my dear brother. We thank the Lord for you. No! He was in prison. And he said to all those in Asia, Have forsaken me. And demons too. And he said, No man stood with me. You mean, Paul, you say to God when you're old and poor and deserted? Yeah, and that's not all. He was in prison. He was put in prison not for doing wrong, but for doing right. And from that dark, cold, dungeon experience, he wrote, Rejoice evermore. I'm not through yet. He was in the imminent danger of death. Paul knew, no shadow of a doubt, but what he knew that very soon they're going to come and leave him outside the city of Rome, place his head upon the top and block, and with a great Roman sword, sever his head. He said, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I kept the faith, 
Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He knew he was going to die. Said, I finished it. I'm, I'm done. Next thing's going to happen to me is doubt. But he wrote to believers and said, Rejoice evermore. Again, I say rejoice. What I'm saying is, don't ever get let the devil put it in your mind that you're going to be in some circumstances where you could be exempt from God. Rejoice evermore. I know I got the right text this morning. I can look at some of you and see I'm right on the right thing. Oh, listen. To many of the Lord's people live with their lip on the ground. And they go around saying, don't you dare step on it. No, that's not God's norm for Christian living. Rejoice evermore, no matter what the circumstances. Now, rejoicing has strange companions. I mean, rejoicing in the life of a Christian is accompanied by some of the strangest things that you can ever imagine. Now, in Second Corinthians chapter 10 and chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul said, now, listen to it. This sounds, this sounds paradoxical. But in 2 Corinthians 16, Paul said, as sorrowful, as sorrowful, yet always rejoice. You say, preacher, you mean you can have sorrow in your heart and rejoicing at the same time? That's what the Bible says. Well, this thing of rejoicing has some of the strangest companions that go along with it. There are some more. 2 Corinthians Chapter 8 and verse 2. I thought of it this morning when Tommy mentioned about the offering. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2, Paul wrote to these Corinthian believers and spoke of them, and out of the abundance of their poverty, they gave with great joy. Abundance of poverty. And abundance of joy can be in the same heart that the Bible says. Oh, don't ever get to it. I'm so poor. I, I can't enjoy life. You know, some, some people are so rich they can't enjoy. You've got as much as anybody. You can't sleep in but one bed at a time. You can't drive but one car at a time. You can't wear but one suit at a time unless you want to look off the front. And you can't eat but one meal at a time. I mean, most people can't. You, you, got, you, you have everything, really. You know, you can get feeling sorry for yourself. And you can say, well, with what, with what my experience is, no way I can be happy. God speaks of the abundance of poverty and the abundance of joy. Now listen to it. James said, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not temptation as solicitation to evil, but count it all joy when you fall into divers or various trials. Right and tire flat. Oh, we ought to look at it. No, we don't. Unless it's praise God. Oh, look at that good old flat tire. 
get it fixed and start down the road and run out of gas. Or get out and say, glory to God, all these people have gas and they're running down the road, but not me, bless God. I ran out of gas. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in the very trial. Now, a lot to be said about that. You know, sometimes God wants you to have a flat tire. You know that? God don't want all your tires, and God doesn't want all your tires. Aired up just right all the time. God wants you to have a flat one sometimes so you can stop and think. You know, it's nice to have a vehicle to take you here and there. And sometimes we get in such a rush and such a big hurry, God just reaches out and grabs it. Whoa. Wait a minute. God wants to slow you down. James said, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall in the various trials. Now watch it. Rejoice in strange circumstances. Rejoicing has strange companions. And you can rejoice in the strange times of relationship. You know, there are a lot of people, I know some of them, and I know some preachers have a persecution complex. I've met them along the way in my 45 years. Preachers that say everybody's against them and everybody's after them. I've often thought of a man I held a meeting for. Then nearly, nearly 40, well, 40, about 41 years ago, that thought the communists were at. We were at a little crossroads way up in the upper part of the storm of Michigan, and I don't think the communists in the world know where to find I don't think so. He ruined a week of my ministry looking everywhere like a communist going to run out from behind every building and every book. He had a persecution complex. A lot of people just say, oh, nobody loves me. Listen, if nobody loves you, there's only one reason. You don't love anybody. If you love, you'll be loved. Don't ever get this hang dog look on your face. Ah, listen, I, I, it just bothers me. I see a preacher with a Bible about four times as big as that, having to hold it like this and saying, How you doing, brother? Well, bless God, I'm suffering for Jesus. No. Let me tell you, when you suffer for Jesus, you say, How you know that? Jesus said so. Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revive you, see all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. Here is God. Be kidding, God. For great is your reward in heaven. Somebody comes along with a good kick. Say, Thank you, brother. I'll get there a little quicker. I like what old Dr. Lakin used to say. He said, if they're kicking you from behind, you know you're in front. That's good. I like that. Oh, no. God never meant for us to get, get down in the mouth and say, Well, I'm persecuted, and I'm not really enjoying my Christian experience. Oh, no. Persecution brings happiness. Take you know you're the Lord. You're walking with God. You're really in it. And God said in his word, you'll be rewarded in heaven. Rejoice 
forevermore. God said, let us lay aside every weight and stand lift up for easy to terror. Looking unto, let us run with patience the race is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the awesome finish of our faith. Here it is. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it set down at the right hand of the Father. Yes, on the cross, Jesus said in his heart, I'll be at the throne before long. I'll endure the cross, despising the shame, because of the joy that was set before him. Don't you ever say, well, I can't rejoice evermore, like the Bible says. If you can't do it, just say this. Just say, I'm a poor Christian. I'm not living up to God's standards. I don't have what the Bible talks about, but don't make an excuse for it. Rejoice evermore in strange circumstances with strange companions and in strange relationships. You can rejoice evermore. Now then, I believe there are four sources of this joy set forth in the Bible. And maybe the reason we don't rejoice evermore is because we don't really know where this joy is supposed to come from. I don't usually do this while I'm preaching, but I, I want you to do it with me this morning. I want you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 24. And I want you to look at something in Luke 24 and verse 41. And now remember, here are the disciples... Jesus has already died on the cross. He's arisen from the grave. And the disciples are meeting together after the crucifixion and the resurrection. Now look at it in your Bible. And think. And while they yet believed, this is the disciples. They're meeting together. And while they yet believed, not for joy. Don't you ever think you can be a believer and not have joy in your life. You can. You can be a child of God and not have joy. While they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? All right. Now notice verse 41, they believed not for joy. Now let's look at verse 52 of the same chapter. Verse 52. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. Why don't you say it? It won't hurt you. That's right. With great joy. All right, in verse 49, 41, they didn't have it. They were believers. In verse 52, they had it. What happened between verse 40, or verse 41 and verse 52? You find out what happened when they didn't have it, and then what happened before... It says they did have it. Maybe you can get it. In verse 41, they had no joy. Jesus said, have you got any meat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish and honeycomb, and he took it, and they, he did eat before them. Why do you think the Lord did that? He said, yeah, I'm still real. God died. I bled. My side was open. My head was pierced with thorns. I lay three days in the grip of death in the grave. I'm real. He said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I get with you. All things must be fulfilled. Now watch this. 
he points them to the Word of God, which are written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding, they might understand the Scriptures. Friends, you're not going to have any joy if you leave this book out of your life. You know, the problem with many Christians today, they're Bible-less Christians. Now, you say, preacher, I got a $45 Stofield King James. So what? There's one in the motel room where I stayed the other day. There's a Bible. The looks of it never been opened. You know, if all you have is a Bible, you carry it under your arm. You know what that is? That's a museum piece. That's all. That's the... Everybody's going, look, that fellow's carrying a Bible. Come to church with it. Well, look at that. Isn't that a pretty Bible? Black, green, blue, white. It's a museum piece. It's a sightseeing. Is that all your Bible is? No, if you don't, if the Bible isn't a personal book to you, you never have any joy. I believe a Christian every day of his life should see the Word of God until the Lord sets up. I don't know about you, and I do a sorry job of it as it is. I just tell you, I can't live without the Lord saying something wrong. I've got to hear from God. And so he, he took the scripture. Now then, watch it now. I'm talking about what happened between no joy and great joy. He said, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you're witnesses of these things. Uh oh. Jesus said, Thou to go this way. Every week. You mentioned something about Thursday night in there. Doesn't just come out too clear, but it's there. And you're to win somebody else to the Lord. You're a witness. You're to help carry out the Great Commission. Let me tell you something. You want to be a miserable Christian? Don't ever do one thing until it's defeated. You do this. That's what's wrong with a lot of people. But what do they care? People say, well, if somebody wants to come to church, let them come like I did. No, the way you came, somebody prayed for you, got you by the lapel of the coat and tugged on you, and said, we love you and we need you and we want you to come. But you're letting the rest of the world go to hell. No wonder a lot of people don't have any joy. Let's read on. Got off of quiet then, so let's move off of that. Behold, I send the promise of my father for you. Carry you in the city of Jerusalem, till you be endued with power from on high. You know, reading a lot of Christians not happy. They know I'm a weak Christian. I don't have the power of God in my life, so I'm I'm not very happy, and I don't have any joy. He led them out as far as Bethany, blessed them, and was caught up into heaven. They said, Glory to God. We're happy. And that's the way you will be happy and have joy in your life, and there is no other way. The source of joy, all right? What are the sources of joy? Now, time's about up, and I'm going to close. 
I hope, God willing, I'll finish tonight, and a lot of you won't be here, of course, but I will anyway. The first source of joy is our relationship to God. Now listen to what I'm saying. Your relationship to God's got to be right, or you're not going to have the joy that's spoken of in the Bible. Now I'll show you what I mean. I'll the Lord do. You know the disciples went out in the book of Luke, chapter 10, he appointed 70, divided them up into 35 pairs, and sent them out witnessing, soul winning, preaching, telling the story, giving the gospel, and God gave them great success. They came back rejoicing, listen to it, in their success. They said to Jesus, Why demons were subject unto us, the sick were healed, and wonderful things happened, and people believed, and many people heard, glory to God. Jesus said, Don't rejoice in your success. He said, Rejoice not. In that demons were subject unto you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Why did he say that? Because the next time you go out, demons may say, Who are you? And people may say, I'm busy. I want to hear. And even sick folks say, may say, I don't need your prayer. Where are you going to be then? If you're going to rejoice in your success, what kind of shape are you going to be in when you have failure and everybody has it? So Jesus said, Rejoice that the names are written in heaven because that never changes. And your relationship to God it is a source of joy. You know, the Lord Jesus told a parable in Luke 15. He told the parable of a lost sheep. And uh, in that parable, he said, The angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner comes to God. Likewise, I say unto you, there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine persons uh, that need no repentance. Listen, the greatest source of joy in the world is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And to have him in your life, sitting upon the throne of your heart, giving you the constant hope of heaven. Joy is a source of a right relationship with God. Oh, Peter spoke of it. He said, In whom we believe, with joy unspeakable and full of glory, Though having not seen, who having not seen, ye love, in whom ye now see and not yet believing, you rejoice with joy and faith. You can't be happy without Jesus. No one can. To try to find real happiness without Jesus Christ is an exercise in futility. No one can. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.